Welcome to Unstoppable Faith with Dr. Kazumba Charles. This program is designed to inspire you to stand on the Word of God and to help you build unshakable and unstoppable faith in Jesus Christ. Here's your host, Dr. Kazumba. God bless you. God bless you. Welcome to Unstoppable Faith. I thank you so very much for joining me today. On today's program, I'm going to be joined by Karen Stiller. Karen, she is the author of The Minister's Wife, a memoir of faith, doubt, friendship, loneliness, forgiveness, and more. She's a writer whose work has appeared in Reader's Digest, Christians Today, and uh, other publications. She is also the senior editor of Faith Today magazine, and she hosts a, 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 the podcast called uh, Faith Today. Stay tuned, and I will be right back with uh, Karen Stiller. <music> Karen, welcome on the program. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. It's an honor to have you on this program, and I can't wait to hear what you have to share with our viewers around the world, here in Canada, and those who are listening, by the way, of radio. Wonderful. Well, I am ready to talk. <laughs> let's, let's, let's get to it. Let's get to it now. Uh, can you Talk to us about the importance of uh, elevating the Christian conversation in Canada because statistics right now says that uh, many people do not identify themselves anymore as Christians here in Canada. So can you just talk to us about the importance of elevating the Christian conversation in Canada? Yeah, I think that's such a great way to even think about it as a conversation, first of all. I think when I think about a conversation, and we're all sort of emerging out of this pandemic time where we've probably missed our friends and our neighbors in terms of having like face-to-face -face conversations, um, we've missed that kind of uh, exchange in our lives. So we, we know it's rich and important. So I would say uh, like the Christian conversation in Canada specifically would be one that welcomed in people, um, you know, on all parts of the faith spectrum that talked about tough issues that we didn't back away from uh, things that we wondered about, the issues that we had questions about, and that we, um, in some ways uh, helped people realize that, as you mentioned, lots of people don't identify as Christians, that, you know, it's not such a scary thing to do to be a Christian, that it doesn't automatically mean that you are, um, you're going to be unwelcome in society or anything, that in fact, we're very present, you know, there are lots of Christians in all sorts of parts of every society and every country, and faith is a vital part of our lives and the more we talk about it i think the more we um, demystify it and of course faith contains mystery i mean we're talking about our holy god um, so it's not that there's not mystery but that we make faith um, more um, available to people the more we talk about it and the less private we hold it uh, you mentioned you have listeners around the world so we all have our different cultural contexts but 
um, you know that Canadians tend to be private and they don't yes. like to talk about their beliefs very openly and um, it takes a little bit of a decision of vulnerability sometimes for Canadian Christians I think to share freely about their faith but actually the more we do the easier it is and people are actually quite curious that, that's what I've found in my life um, people want to know about faith they don't necessarily dismiss it out of hand or become hostile which we may tell ourselves that's what's going to happen, but most of the time, that's not what happens. And in fact, you do have a good conversation. What is the mission of Aether today, if I may ask that question? Yeah, well, I I think that's just the the exact right question to ask. Um, and we, we talk about it and think about it all the time. So I think at its basic level, our mission is to connect and equip and inform Christians across Canada of many different denominations and traditions. Um, we want to inspire them. We want to uh, give them ideas for living out their faith in Canada. We want to explore uh, different questions and themes within the church and society and provide a good Christian answer uh, to the current culture and the moment we find ourselves in. We also want to tell the good stories of the Canadian church. Uh, so often, um, I think mainstream media, it, it doesn't even mean they don't necessarily tell the bad stories as so much as ignore, you know, yes. The, yes. the role of the church in Canadian society. And the truth is, in communities from coast to coast, the local church is often a very important neighbor in a community. And we tell those kinds of stories, which I would say are stories that uh, typically no one else is telling. So when it comes to the role of Christian media in Canada for uh, specifically, we play a very important role as kind of an alternative voice. And I think a voice of love and compassion and mercy, a voice that is built around biblical values and priorities and those are the kinds of stories that's the kind of voice and that's the kind of conversation we want to nurture you know within the pages of faith today and really just um i think give people courage to do the thing we were just talking about before which is engage with our neighbors and our communities and our culture with confidence that we have a message of love and compassion and mercy and truth and we don't need to be afraid to talk about it why is it important for Christians of people to support uh, uh, Christian media in Canada? Yeah, well, of course, I have you know a lot invested in that answer. <laughs> Go I ahead think... and take your time. <laughs> well, when we talk about media, we're talking about a lot of different things. We're talking about your show. We're talking about our magazine. We're talking about you know Christian daily television shows that often nurture and play an important role in the lives of a lot of people from home. We're talking about podcasts increasingly and all kinds of online media that, are, you know, sometimes is experimental and fun and reaching new audiences. So I would say um, in supporting Christian media, and I, I would define support, first of all, by engaging in and interacting with and receiving that media, yes. you know, watching it, listening it, to it, sharing it. Uh, letting it help shape your Christian life and witness. So I think that's just for our good. You know, there's a whole world of really good stories being told and wonderful resources being created that help make us stronger as followers of Christ. So why why wouldn't we support that? 
And then, of course, there's also the question of supporting um, where uh, a media outlet, even Faith Today, might occasionally ask viewers to support it literally, financially, or prayerfully. And, you know, that's important, too. It's, it's sort of that very basic truth of, um, you know, if you love something, support it. <laughs> and if you benefit from it, give back when you can. And it just helps it grow healthier and stronger and, and keep being available to you and the people you love. We're going to switch gears here. We're going to switch. I couldn't wait to switch gears. You are the author of uh, The Minister's Wife. Why did you write that book, The Minister's <laughs> Wife? Yes, thank you. Um, well, I wrote it um, because, of course, I am married to a minister, and in my case, uh, an Anglican priest, and I am a writer. And so uh, much of my professional life has been about writing and telling those good stories, hopefully, that we had mentioned earlier about the church in Canada, about Canadian Christians, often Canadian Christians, living out their life of faith and doing really amazing things. Um, so I've loved that part of my work. But when I, I decided to go back to school and I did a master's degree in uh, creative nonfiction, it's called, and I had the opportunity for the first time really uh, in probably all of my writing life just to focus really uh, deeply on, you know, my own writing and things that would come out of um, my own heart and mind. And I decided that inevitably being married to a pastor that reality uh, definitely seeps throughout your whole life. It really is a life full vocation. Um, yes. And so I was deeply a part of that. And I realized, well, anything I'm going to write really needs to come out of that well, that mm -hmm. place where we live. And so I started to write about um, life married to the minister. And so what I ended up creating in the end is it's called a spiritual memoir. And I look at a number of different themes like faith, doubt, friendship, loneliness, forgiveness, uh, to name a few, um, parenting, and all of that through the lens of a minister's wife. So in the end, what I have is a book about being a minister's wife, but also a book about just being uh, trying to be a faithful Christian in, in today's, you know, sometimes complicated world. I wish I had so many times to ask you too many questions. I was going <laughs> to ask you about uh, how, how it looks like uh, to be a minister's wife, but let me stay first on the questions I have, and then if I have time, I will revisit that. Now, okay. you know, many people struggle with a doubt, just yes. doubting, especially in a season like this, many people struggle with doubt. Why do you think many people struggle? with a doubt? I think that many people struggle with doubt because we are human. And I really, in my book, I talk about, I kind of reveal my own doubt. And I did that very intentionally, my own seasons of doubt maybe, or just moments of doubt. Like people talk about seasons of doubt. It doesn't have to be a season. It can be five minutes. Yes. <laughs> or, or maybe doubt will accompany you for your whole faith life. And as a minister's wife, one of the misconceptions people have about me and my people who are like me um, is that we don't have doubt or that we always have it all together, that we're you know, spiritual giants. And I have found in my life in the church, when I say, when I'm brave enough to share 
um, my own questions or doubts or, you know, feelings that might not quite fit with what people think, you know, is right. Um, it actually opens a door and it allows us to talk about it. And talking about it, we often are able to help each other and we're healed when we share our true stories. I really believe that. So, for example, in, in the book, in the chapter about doubt, I refer to Thomas, of course, who we often call, you know, Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas. Yeah, and I suggest, you know, and may, this may be scandalous, but I suggest that we call him Thomas the Brave. Because, that's true. Actually, yeah, that's true. In a room full of people who were convinced, seemingly yes. convinced, that Jesus had risen from the dead in a physical way, Thomas dared to say, I can't believe until I see it for myself. And when Jesus came and let him do that, let him see, let him touch, Thomas, as we know, got down on his knees and said, my Lord and my God. And we all benefit from Thomas's declaration yes. of belief after doubt. And I think, so for me, that's very powerful. And so I don't see doubt as the enemy of faith. I see it as faith's companion a lot of time and if we are filled with shame or alarmed or panicked that we have doubt we are far more likely to flee because we think we no longer belong no you do belong just open up you know talk about it and hopefully we the sisters and brothers surrounding the person with doubt will be gracious enough and compassionate enough to just let that person stand in the room with us with their doubt and just love them and it will work out i really believe that many people when they see ministers especially some of us who are, are too, too much in the public eye all over the world they think like uh, you have everything together yeah. you you're perfect and they don't know there are moments of doubt there are moments of tears there are moments of uh, quitting you quit yes. and then you realize what it is all about then you come back to it. So I like that point. I wish we, we, we're going to come back to all that. But let's talk about this here. In your memoir, The Minister's Wife, you also write about uh, uh, the topics that you even mentioned, uh, friendship, loneliness, and forgiveness. I just want you to take time to tackle each one of them from friendship into loneliness and into forgiveness. Please go right ahead and take your time in digging through those uh, three powerful principles. Okay, well, thank you. I'm, I just, uh, I'm so honored that you would give me this opportunity to, to talk about such important things as these topics. So when I deal with friendship in the book, I, I'm really uh, talking specifically about the difficulty that sometimes exists for clergy to maintain, to create and maintain authentic friendships. Uh, and part of that is because of what we just talked about, about how people make all kinds of assumptions about you. Um, and the, the better they think you are, the more boring they think you might be. Yes. So in fact, you might not be invited to events or parties or neighborhood barbecues. And of course, that's okay. You know, we want to be available and present to people when they need us the most. Mm -hmm. And often that's not in the happy times. Often it's in the sad, broken, you know, grief-filled times. And that's part of the calling. Um, but what happens is people, ministers and their spouses and their families sometimes are a little bit isolated and mm -hmm. set apart. 
socially even and of course we all know what that feels like now you know an exaggerated form of that with how we've been living in this past year and a bit through this pandemic um mm -hmm. so isolation and loneliness are no fun um but of course what can happen through those times is you uh, seek God more, you grow, you grow up a bit. Uh, it's not that you'll ever be completely, you know, content being alone. I'm sure we've all felt that in the past year, a yearning for other people. But you have also discovered strength that you didn't know you had. Um, I've said more than once, like, I can be alone now for long periods of time <laughs> because of this pandemic, which I wouldn't have been able to say that about a year and a half ago. So um, we all need friends. And for some of us though, uh, friendships may be more difficult to figure out and they can be mysterious. So I don't solve this challenge of clergy friendships in this book, but I name it out loud. And I, I say that it is complicated. So. But having said that, we also have people that accompany us in our faith life. And, you know, Christian friends, church friends, spiritual friends, whatever you want to call them, we all have people we are pilgriming with who are really, really important and beautiful for us. And those are the people with whom we can be completely honest and vulnerable. And hopefully, hopefully we all have a friend to whom we can say just about anything and they will let us have that space with them uh, because that's so important. And I think, you know, I'm sure you are more than familiar like I am with the stories of leaders falling and Christian leaders. Yes. And I really, uh, I mean, I haven't done any study on this, but I have to believe that mm -hmm. part of what led to them reaching this point of um, allowing themselves to embark on sin or hurting others or whatever it is that happened in that life was because of their isolation and That's their true. loneliness. So we have to be on guard against being too alone. And that's true for all of us. It's not just yes. clergy. That's true for all of us. So yeah, so I can lead on into forgiveness if you want. No, go ahead. I'm, I'm listening. I, I was just joining in to listen. Uh, you see, if um, uh, especially as you talk about, um, uh, 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 you know, just uh, having friends where you can uh, share and pour your heart, trust with people, especially leaders and ministers, yeah. it's important because uh, loneliness leads to what you just mentioned so yeah. it's a really powerful that topic you you're doing uh, please go ahead okay. go back ahead on uh, on uh, the loneliness part uh, uh before we even go to forgiveness okay. we still have time here i, okay. I was just sliding in to just uh, listen i'm glad to you, so please go ahead <laughs> i'm glad well then i will share with you uh this was, has been very interesting for me since the book came out, uh, and it's been about a year, it was released May 5th, I have heard from um, lots of pastors' wives specifically who have reached out to me and told me that they are lonely and that they feel isolated and set apart and that it's hard for them to make friends. And that's been an ongoing uh, question that has been shared with me is can I be friends with people in my church? How do I be friends with people in my church? 
what happens when they leave what happens when they get mad at my husband you know how do i figure this out and i i don't have you know clear i'm not the expert i don't have answers for them but i can stand with them and encourage them and reassure them that they're not alone even in trying to figure that out and and often the part of the answer is in finding friends in each other so you know finding other clergy or other christian leaders again hopefully people that you can be yourself with and honest with and you know argue about politics um talk about the movies you watch whatever and just be yourself and uh not fear that you're being judged or critiqued or misunderstood and i think that's really part of the answer i mean it's very basic and it's probably not a satisfying answer but that is what we have found to be true in our lives no that is uh yeah i i wish i wish you know we we just did a show you and me here did it all on uh ministers and leaders are lonely they feel and um they feel they can't open up to so many people because of a betrayal or how people are going to see them because when they see a minister or a leader on that platform they frame them with uh, so many other stuff that you can't come down you know they put you on this pinnacle so i like the way you share it is uh, my life We've been in ministry oh. for a long time, but I'm thankful that God has uh, given me great friends. You know, we can laugh, we can just go off on different topics, be ourselves at the same time, uh, you know, doing the will of God. Now, let me, let, I want you to tackle now on uh, forgiveness. Uh, um, uh, can you just go ahead and uh, talk about uh, forgiveness? Obviously, talk about unforgiveness because it's what triggers Uh, in us to forgive so go ahead and talk about that yeah thank you it's so important and and let me say that um, well you know because you're the author of books that often we write writers write to figure something out (laughs) so it's not always that we're writing like oh I'm an expert on this no it's like I have a big question and I'm going to explore it and write about it and that is very much what I was doing with uh, when I wrote a chapter on forgiveness in my book because I am bad at it. I, uh, I struggle to forgive it, and I believe that I'm probably not alone in that. And that's I think you're where- you're my twin sister. <laughs> Good. So that's again where being honest and transparent and willing to risk telling, you know, that maybe a little bit about our shadow side, can, we can help each other. So, so I can very easily sit down on any given day and think about all the bad things people have done to me or said about me or things that I've, you know, probably misunderstood sometimes or old hurts, you know, from, I think part of the work of being an adult is working through, you know, our childhood. And I know that's true of my children, my grown children. So, um, there's a lot to forgive and, um, we hurt each other and the world hurts us and but forgiveness we know of course that it is central to our faith and you know we have been forgiven and we are commanded really and invited to forgive each other and so i do see it and i think it it is the central one of the central works of the heart that every christian must do and of course not everyone will come to us 
asking for our forgiveness. So that's where it gets really tough, right? And I, in, in the book, I, um, you know, say it's easy for me to give when someone comes and says, I'm sorry, and here's a present. But it's not so easy to forgive when they never say they're sorry. Yes. Or, you know, maybe they don't even realize uh, the extent of the wound, for example. Um, nevertheless, you know, we have, of course, the Holy Spirit, we have scripture, we have church to help us, to remind us that we are forgiven and that we need to forgive. So in our, um, in our tradition as Anglicans, you know, every week we say a confession and the priest um, gets down on his or her knees and confesses along with the rest of us and then stands up and reminds us mm -hmm. that we are forgiven. And we just have to keep pushing into that. You know, I wish I had the secret to finally freeing ourselves yeah. of all that woundedness. But in fact, I do think it is a lifelong journey. And, you know, in my work as a Christian journalist, I've um, interviewed, you know, I call them the acrobats of the Christian faith. They're mm -hmm. the people that we hear their story and we stand amazed that they could forgive. You know, they're, they're, the, they're the fathers who go into prisons and say to their daughter's killer, I forgive you. And now I'm going to lead a Bible study with you, you know, or the stories of the, you know, the mother who forgives something horrible that's happened to her or her children. But even they, and they seem like they're, you know, miracles walking miracles right and we hear these stories and we think i could never i could never forgive like they've forgiven mm -hmm. but even they have to keep pushing into it and i had one uh father who had suffered a a loss that we cannot imagine you know with children and a wife died in a drunken a drunk driving accident and he told me every time it resurfaces it's he instead of him going oh no i haven't forgiven yet oh no you know and heaping shame upon himself he says this is a new opportunity to forgive yes. again or to forgive at another level that i haven't reached yet and when i heard him say that i just thought thank you like that is so helpful because it's so honest and real and it gives us room to view forgiveness as a process instead of a moment. Because when we view it as a moment, now we're forgiven that way, yeah. but we're humans. <laughs> so when we, when we think of it as a moment and then we realize, oh, two weeks later, we're actually annoyed again or hurt again, we can get ourselves in this shame cycle that actually does not move us any further toward forgiveness. It, it traps us. So I think we have to be, we have to forgive ourselves yes. in the work of forgiving and then just keep pushing into it. And of course, ask our loving father for help. I, I like uh, what you're saying. I like what you're saying. Forgiveness is a process. Uh, yes, God forgave us like instantly, but uh, I it takes time to, to uproot those, uh, you know, hurts and uh, feelings and everything, but it's a process that we need to go through so that we can effectively uh, forgive 
others. You know, this has been uh, wonderful. I know we're running out of time here. I just love everything that you share, uh, uh, especially when you touch on uh, ministers and leaders, loneliness, you know, finding that those are friends that you can trust. That is just powerful. Now, where can uh, people get uh, 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 your latest uh, memoir, The Minister's Wife? Yeah, uh, well, you can find it through any store. I, I've really been encouraging people to, if they can, buy it from a, your local bookstore. And if you happen to still have a local Christian bookstore in your community, um, let's support them. You know, back to our starting point about supporting uh, each other and meet, meet Christian media and so on. So if there's a Christian bookstore in your town or city, uh, just ask them to order it if they don't already carry it. And of course, uh, it's available on Amazon. Um, it's available at Chapters Indigo in Canada and all through the States. My website is karenstiller.com. I'm not selling the book, but I, I point people to, in the right direction. That is so awesome. Thank you so very much for coming on Unstoppable Faith. Well, I can't thank you enough. And I love the name of your show. It gives me heart and it's very <laughs> energizing. And if you um, want me back and we can dig more into ministry life, I'd be happy to do that. I think that is actually fun. what I was, I was going to say. We will have you back. And then I just want us to talk about the, the inner struggles of uh, ministers and leaders. I'm with you, brother. So we're gonna we're gonna tackle that. We're we're going to schedule that. I'll speak with my team here. They're gonna reach out to you and then I'll bring you back on because those are important topics that needs to be discussed, especially from the hearts of ministers like yourself and myself. Good. Thank you so much. And to our viewers, may the Lord bless you, may the Lord watch over you. Until then, shalom, shalom. Faith is the currency of the kingdom of God. Thank you for tuning in to Unstoppable Faith with Dr. Kazumba Charles. If this program has been a blessing to you, write to us at life at and share your testimony.